welcome to The Real Take. This week, we hope you have a strong stomach because we are about to get embroiled in the violent world of not one, not two, not even three, not even four, not even five. Okay, it's seven. Seven psychopaths. Let's roll titles. Sit down and grab a glass. Sinead Ross and I'll have made a podcast. It's The Real Take, breaking it down. Having fun and talking movies. Da 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 da, talking movies. It is another one of our spotlight episodes, but this time we are taking a look at Martin McDonough's Seven Psychopaths, and Nile and Ross are here. Are you yeah, where this? where are the other psychopaths? I actually just there's was only three of us. There's enough psycho in you to make up seven. Yeah, that's yeah. true. There probably is. There probably is. I was yeah. just going, literally going to say, I have no jokes about you two being potentially unhinged, but you kind of just died over right Yeah, in because all your jokes about us being actually unhinged, not potentially unhinged. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I was excited to, to delve into this um, because, well, number one, uh, Martin McDonough and Colin Farrell are very kind of, you know, of the moment. Yeah, right Derek now, Gore they? is the word, aren't yeah. they? Derek Gore. Yeah. Everyone's talking about them. Everyone's, yeah, everyone's talking about Banshees of Inisherin, which is a fantastic film. And I mean, we'll talk about Colin's performance in this film as we discuss it. But he's an actor and I've said it before. I'll say it again. He constantly surprises me. He comes out with new things the whole time. Yeah. And it was actually on the back of watching Banshees for the second time because I watched it on my own first and then I brought my husband to it. And um, I, I just was like, yeah, like people like it's the weirdest film to try and describe to people and people are very like uh, you know people are very um, split on it as yeah. well though. do you know so yeah, split on it yeah. yeah some people like, I don't, it's, I... like it's got a lot of adoration but some people actually really fucking hate the movie as well <laughs> yeah. it's well, so now, strange I mean like, not not to kind of because we're not talking about that film but no. um, you've seen it Ross as well yeah I've seen it as well yeah 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 um, there's been a bit of a backlash in in Ireland certainly about what I would call, what I don't know what you'd call it. Stupid fucking nonsense. The portrayal of the Irish, is it? Yeah. Well, yeah, and I didn't find that at all. I found it just a really good film and fantastic performances. And like Kerry Condon in there as well. And Mm. like, there's also, I guess, there's a gruesome level. But if you go Mm. to see a Martin McDonough film, if you've seen In Bruges, if you've seen Seven Psychopaths, if you've seen kind of three any of the stage plays, yeah. Yeah. three billboards, you kind of know what you're getting into. So don't expect to kind of, we're all going to sit around and be friends and and drink tea and be happy. Yeah, <laughs> well, with that, not necessarily with the gruesome element, but the, I think there's a certain, with film set in that, say, time period, I know what they make it very clear, etc. in the Civil War, but I think in a lot of blockbusters we see about Ireland, um, it's from mainly like American stuff like mm. that. There is a notion to set them in a time period similar to that or to make people from now seem like they're still living in a time like that. I would say it's fairly... We're looking at you, wild mountain time. Yeah, <laughs> we're looking squarely at you. But, you know, there's a... There's a I, I think I think people see Irish Irish people some have a chip on their shoulder with how they were portrayed, Are portrayed, portrayed on screen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, well, I think I think certainly the film that we're going to be discussing today shows an Irish person who's yes. certainly set in. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say maybe like it was 
how, like 10 years ago now? Yeah. Yeah. This film came out. But yeah, but uh, 2012, yeah. was it? Yeah. 2012, yeah. yeah. But no, I, it's funny because I think there have been American reviews like, I couldn't believe that this was set in 1922 as opposed to today in Ireland. It's like, that's not... <laughs> We don't have donkeys coming into our houses. Some people maybe, but some people, well, some people do have donkeys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 and that's yeah. fine too. Yeah, it's not like we just hang around beautiful scenery, not talking about our feelings and drinking. Yeah. Uh, oh well, no. I mean, that's mostly what I do. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and like talk about how amazing Ireland looks in that movie, like from the very opening does, shot yeah. of the, the amazing Fantastic. Like, the fields and everything. Yeah. It yeah. does look. Amazing. I mean, if Culture Ireland will be delighted, you know. If yeah. somebody doesn't have a Banshees of an Sharon tour. That yes. they get people over to and then go over to, you know, it, it, I'm not sure exactly where it was filmed. It was one of one of the one of the Iron could, Islands. Yeah. You could buy a T-shirt there uh, that says I got fingered on the Banshees <laughs> of Inishir in oh, no. tour. <laughs> I would buy that. I actually would. <laughs> Oh, listen, we're right in the marketing we for, the, for the Fall to Ireland. <laughs> to talk about it, Colin Farrell, he yes. was in Banshees of Inisherin. That's why we were talking about yes. it. And of course, he was with uh, Martin McDonough. But he seems to be kind of his leading man. He, It's his Robert De Niro to Martin Scorsese almost. Yes, and like mm. again, we, we have that with, of course, Brendan Gleeson, who has starred mm. in... Um, Six Shooter and, in, and, and, in and, and Six Shooter, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, he likes to go back to the to the same characters uh, or the same actors. Um, but this one, I don't know, like about you guys when when this came out, I would have seen this. I think not in the cinema, definitely DVD or something when it came out initially. But I didn't think it got a huge amount of fuss or chat about. I mean, In Bruges got a huge amount of acclaim and this was kind of coming after that. I know he did some plays in between and then he came back uh, and, and did this. And then Three Billboards was the big one that everyone was yeah. kind of Oscar, 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 mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. But Seven Psychopaths sort of seemed to, to fall by the wayside of it. So I felt it was only right to, to kind of shine a light on it. So as we mentioned, Colin Farrell, we also have the fantastic pairing in there of uh, Sam Rockwell, Woody Harrelson, Christopher Walken uh, as well, uh, makes up the cast. And in a nutshell, right, it's like kind of a film within a film, but it's um, uh, set or focused on a struggling screenwriter called Marty. <laughs> I don't know if this is a life imitating art scenario. <laughs> um, <laughs> living in L.A., uh, this is Colin Farrell, trying to finish his screenplay with the name. He has a cool name. You know, seven psychopaths. He like, started I, with the name. Hasn't he started with yeah. the name. Like I have a great name mm. for a short film as oh. well. Oh, well, I'm well. not saying it now because oh. you know you okay. guys can steal it. But that's all right. I have. Do you know what I mean? So <laughs> well, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> You're taking all. Oh, you know, all great works of fiction start with a good title. You yeah. know, that's, that's true. all. You, and you, yeah. and you flesh it out from there. Yes, yeah. yeah. that's, that's what I'm open. But I'm going to take yeah. my my lead from what Colin Farrell's character does in this. Uh, so he has his, <laughs> his catchy title. He just needs to come up with the psychopaths. You know what I mean? Just the little fine details. Now, you can't but sort of help notice there are um, references and sort of, I suppose, uh, homages to kind of the, the like, well, not so much homages, but there's like comparisons you could make to the likes of, say, adaptation. Uh, and uh, the Coen brothers, Barton Fink as well, which kind of, you know, explore this notion of, of uh, the writer's struggle with the blank page. Yeah. Um, anything, anything about a writer is always going to be like, you're always going to draw comparisons. Yeah, completely. But that's like, I mean, really now, this is where 
that's where the similarities kind of end really but uh, you know we have uh, Colin Farrell's alcoholic character Marty and uh, he soon appears kind of um, I suppose almost wrapped up in this kind of uh, telling of his own story you could say you know uh, so he has this idea uh, he needs the psychopaths uh, he has one he thinks uh, of this psychotic Buddhist monk which might make a good starting point but then he doesn't really know kind of how to develop it also he's getting really tired of all that guns and violence that you sort of see um, in, in the movies you know but there's a brilliant opening scene and this kind of sets it all up and um, it's a long t- uh, take uh, shot on what appears to be a road on the, on the top of I don't know if it's like it's a dam I think dam I think yeah, yeah. yeah I think it's over a dam yeah. and uh, you've got two hitmen and uh, this is very Tarantino-esque uh, they're chatting about you know their their next victim and uh, it's all very sort of colourful language and they start comparing whether uh, John Dillinger and the Godfather's Mo Green were sort of re- you know, equally real to Shot, shot in the shot eye. In the eye. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, unbeknown to them, but very obvious to us, we see this masked figure is coming from behind, walking like really purposely towards them. And then, you know, he, he kills them both basically and he leaves behind his calling card. Every good, mysterious figure needs a calling card. Absolutely. This one has a great one. It's the Jack of Diamonds killer. Yeah, I, but I think I, we find out why maybe it's not great. Oh, we we'll yeah. get to that. We we'll get to that. I love when they allude to it later on. It's yeah, brilliant. it's yeah, it's yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Now, by the yeah. way, people, you should know by this stage with our spotlight episodes, there is going to be spoilers. Spoiler, spoiler, you know, yeah. spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Okay, so you haven't seen this. Go but pause do yourself this. a favour. We haven't spoiled anything yet. So yeah. perfect. Absolutely chances. no. It's yeah. a fantastic film. I think we all agree. Yeah. And it's definitely worth seeing. Yeah. Great cast, yeah. great director, and yeah, and a great commentary, I think, on cinema of yes. that time. Yes, and just the filmmaking industry as well and everything that goes on. Um, so we meet Marty then, who's waking up from yet another horrific hangover. Uh, he's suffering writer's block, as I said, and his friend Billy, who's played by Sam Rockwell. He's kind of like... I don't know friend is the loose word maybe for him. He's a guy that he kind of lets hang around. Anything to kind of, you know, stop uh, him doing this. We, you know? we all have people like that in our lives. We do. We I'm do. feeling like mean? Colin Farrell definitely. I, I, fuck off if you're alluding to me. <laughs> no, no. Uh, I, I, I'm feeling that Colin Farrell, if he wasn't, like I'd say if he wasn't such a drunkard, mm. you know, and he could be, and he wasn't a bit so selfish, he'd have plenty of people to hang around with. But I have a feeling like he's hanging around with Sam Rockwell because no one else really wants to spend that much no. time with him. Yeah, no. outside of cocktail mm. parties. Well, this is it. He's kind of, he's good at a party, isn't he? And then after that, mm. he's sort of, you know, people maybe don't get, kind of get on with him. So he barges in uh, to the house and they kind of chat about Marty's struggle with the script and Billy. Now, by the way, he initially appears to be a bit of a cliche, you know, this kind of annoying, best friend trying to help and worm his way into helping him with the script but my god he's anything but he's the strangest and most complex of the characters that we will meet and this by the way comes from uh you know a, a character that's already in a movie with tom waits playing a psychopath with a fondness for rabbits <laughs> do you know what i mean <laughs> but we'll circle well, back to him we'll circle didn't back jordan peele say that he put rabbits into his movies because he thought rabbits were so creepy because they appear to be calm yeah. you know jordan peele who does all the, the horror movies they yeah, appear yeah. to be calm yeah, yeah. but he says if you look into their eyes there's an empty soullessness <laughs> there so maybe you know maybe martin mcdonough t- tapped into that <laughs> maybe my niece my niece has two rabbits i would like <laughs> to say that killer rabbits they are not soulless killer rabbits they are beautiful rabbits uh they I think Lulu and Lana, something like that, their names are. Mm. I can't remember. 
Uh, she's not going to be listening to this. Shout out to Lena. And, you know, I, th- I just think rabbits live a different life. You know what I mean? Than us. So. Then, well, yeah. Anyway, they got they, their priorities first of all, in order. You know what yeah. I mean? First of all, they have big ears. And well, they're a different true, yeah. species. They can hear predators coming. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yes, they and enjoy it's the and it's man. As well, you know man I mean? is the man is the worst predator. It is. Oh wow, deep, <laughs> deep, really. Well, apparently real, yeah. Tom Waits just for a little bit of sideline trivia. Apparently Tom Waits just all he knew was that his character had a fondness for rabbits, and he didn't even read the rest of it. He was like, "Yeah, sign me up." <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> Which I Tom love. Waits, uh, you have Tom to Waits. like. I love any time he shows up in a film. I'm yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. This film is getting an extra star now. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so later that day, Marty comes up with his second uh, psychopath, the Quaker. Now, this guy uh, really is, I think, the ultimate of the psychopaths in this. He stalks his daughter's killer for decades. And uh, there's a fantastic sequence where really it's... I mean, there's the narration from Marty because he's telling, you know, you about the, the psychopath. It's like he's writing it, yeah. Yeah, but it's all in uh, the character. Oh, he's from... Um, isn't he from Twin Peaks? Um, oh, it's uh, Harry Stanton. Dean Stanton. Harry's Harry Dean Stanton. Stanton yeah. That's his name. Yeah, I knew it was, it was a double. One of the great that guys of, of great cinema. that guys. Mm. And he says nothing. But my God, his performance is so, so chilling. Well, so his, fa- his face I'm... tells a story. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I often yeah. talk about um, meta casting and it's like you just go like, OK, you know, you know something about this character before they say anything. When they walk in, you look at them and you go, I know a story about this guy. And then it just gets filled in, really. By mm. the yeah. I mean, like, that's a, a tremendous talent to be able to communicate so much with all of the... Like, I mean, it's kind of a blank expression, but it's not at the same time. Like, you know he's driven to do what he's going to do to this guy who's killed his his daughter. Um, I would say, it's though, just, oh, it's an odd, chilling. odd torture i know that the killer right had found god and was trying to move on with his life or whatever and he's just there as a constant reminder of the bad things that he's done but like he's standing at the corner like you can just pull down your blind do you know what i mean like if you really (laughs) he could have a more intrusive that's you know, that's why Ross that's why Ross yeah. has killed many people yeah, and I all know, he does like, is just pull his curtains. You think he'd wait until he was like in a restaurant carrying a plate or something, you just smash it out of his hand or do you know, or yeah. like cut him off in traffic or do you know well, you see, waste his time and work. He's a Quaker, so that's he's right. you yeah, know, he's believe peaceful, in himself yeah. in, in yeah. God and, The Quakers you know. were famously they were the people who they they didn't uh, get involved in any of the wars, any of World War One or World War Two. So, so they're like the Irish pacifists. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. yeah, but they, but they were like, if you're a Quaker, you could uh, legally be abstained from uh, being uh, conscripted into really? World War One and World War Two. Yeah, there you go. Oh, wow. So we always get a lovely history lesson from Niall. Oh, yeah, from me, yeah. 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 Um, But uh, so what he does is, like you say, yeah, he just, he stands outside. uh, Well, isn't he outside the jail and everything? Like the guy just sees him constantly. I mean, some of it is you're kind of thinking, is he just seeing him? Yes. Or is he yeah. there? Is he there? Yeah. Like yeah. he's kind of driving him mad. And, and they then... do lean into the hokiness of that, like him being on a roof looking down at him and then disappearing yeah. and stuff, you know? Yeah, there's all that going on. And that's mm. the thing about Martin McDonough as well. There's always going to be that little, a nice little dollop of, of dark humour th- throughout this as well, even in the horrific yeah. passages. But um, let's just say, yeah, what he what the Quaker does is, is, is fairly horrific. Um, so... Of course, Billy then uh, gets really frustrated because um, 
he uh, Marty is telling the story about the, the Quaker the psychopath he's regaling people at his girlfriend's party uh, and Billy's getting annoyed because he said I told you that story uh, but you've been so drunk that you forgot that this isn't actually your idea um, so they decide he reluctantly decides to, to team up with Billy and you know what do you do when you have writer's block and you need to meet psychopaths well this is Hollywood <laughs> so you just you go on Tinder <laughs> put an ad in the paper <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and after, well, now now you'd have to go on the internet, but yeah, then it was yeah, yeah in the then paper. it was it was you know uh, put an ad in the personals and ask the the psychopaths to show up at your house. Come, um, come to us. Come to yeah. us with your stories, and they come. Uh, so it is. It's it's Martin McDonough's gift, I think, to to really write characters who are so multi layered, like they're capable of this really disturbing cruelty. But yet they possess a, a, a kind of love that I think could teach us a little bit about kindness. I mean, if you talk talk about Christopher Walken's character, Hans, right? So Christopher Walken's character is, uh, I, yes, I forgot to mention that Billy, the friend who is an actor, but he's out of work. So he kidnaps dogs in his spare time. He... Um, uh, and they give them back to the owner then, of course, for the for the reward money. So he does this with Christopher Walken's character, Hans. And um, basically they, uh, it, it, the, the two of, the, like Hans, he is, can be quite cruel and has done cruel things. But you see him have this real tenderness with his wife, which oh, uh, you're not yeah, expecting amazing, yeah. that yeah. like at all. You know, you're, re- you're really not um, expecting that. And then, you know, you have the likes of Tom Waits as well. You know, um, he plays Zachariah. He's both dark and also really vulnerable and capable of, of love as well. They're, they're, they're multi-layered, these characters. And this is kind of where the essence, I think, of the genius of the writing is in this film. Like, McDonough knows all the tricks. You know, he knows all the cliches he, uh, these characters could find themselves in he does this big wink at the audience but at the same time he throws the rule book for the characters and what we expect them to do completely out the window uh, yeah. and that's kind of yeah. really the the essence of of where this uh the brilliance of this film lies i think uh, like there's a great line as well and actually maybe we, we might play it here um it's uh uttered by hans uh, played by christopher walken so he gets a, a reading of marty's first draft of his script and he goes your women characters are awful. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies to Christopher Walken fans for listening. No, no, it was fantastic. Walken impression is horrible. Um, <laughs> I have to say, like, I watched this when I came out and re-watching it, every one of Christopher Walken's lines, line readings in this film is fantastic. Yeah. Like, it's amazing. Oh, he is like, the he yeah. is the best, I would say. Now, I know it's very much an ensemble and everyone is bringing their yeah. game to this, but he, I think his character and his performance But he just brings amazing. that character to life so much. Yeah, yeah and he and could be like, such a caricature yeah. in somebody else's hands, but he just works it really well. And uh, there's a scene as well um, towards the end where... Um, I'll get to um, what you call it Woody Harrelson's character in a second but when his goons show up and uh, there's a piece where he they're like you know put your hands up and he's just like no <laughs> like he's just like and apparently all of that was improvised so if you're, if you're really if you're, oh, yeah, very cool. yeah. yeah he just went with it uh, he was supposed to put his hands up and then uh, McDonough let him go see what, see what he had what he, what he was made of but here's a little taster of him uh, commenting on the really bad women in uh, Marty's in script. the screenplay yeah. hey ho 
Marty, I've been reading your movie. Oh, what do you think? Your women characters are awful. None of them have anything to say for themselves. And most of them get either shot or stabbed to death within five minutes. And the ones that don't probably will later on. Well, it's a hard world for women, you know? And I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it's a hard world for women, but most of the ones I know can string a sentence together. <laughs> so McDonough knows the female characters are falling into, you know, what has always been the case, you know, the nagging girlfriend and, you know, these kind of, or the token wife kind of thing. He does point this out uh, that the representation of women uh, is really bad. He does li- little to rectify it in this movie. However, you know, he does make up for it, I'm going to say, massively in three billboards outside uh, Ebbing, Missouri. Yeah. So we let him away, yeah. don't you know? Um, Are you familiar with the term lampshading? No. Okay, no. so lampshading is a thing. It's a lesson with Niall. It's a you? lesson from Niall. So lampshading is where you kind of go, I know this is a problem and I've got to put a lampshade on it and then you know that I know it's a problem, right? And I think that that is the case with this. Now, he has certainly, as you say, with three, bill- three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, he has rectified that. But... I'm also going, he's just cast Francis McDormand as like Christopher Walken in that film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not a huge fan of that film, I have to say. I'm really? not a huge fan. Oh, yeah. I, would, I, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I love her, you see. I love her. I well, she is great. She is great. Yeah. Yeah. Niall would have rather have uh, Christopher Walken in that role. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. you can't, like, it, like to paraphrase Jack Nicholson from As Good As It Gets... Like you just like you can't just flip genders and then go. It's the same. It's exactly the same. You know? Well, actually, to paraphrase Jack Nicholson for as good as it gets, he, he's asked, "How does he write women so well?" And what he does is he says he thinks of a man and removes reason and accountability. accountability. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not sure he's the best person to be paraphrasing. <laughs> That's true. In actually, to that. yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So getting to to the the. the the psychopath of, of Zachariah. So he approaches them. He shares his story. And I think it's a story that nobody really is expecting um, of, of how he was part of a serial killer duo. Right. But the key thing with these guys, him and his wife, Maggie, they killed other serial killers. <laughs> so they were like kind of vigilantes and um, they yeah, killed the. Uh, yeah, they yeah. They killed the Zodiac killer, they killed the Cleveland Torso killer, they killed uh the Texas Texicana uh, Moonlight Murderer. Uh however, as a condition for allowing his story to be used, Zachariah says to Marty, Will you please like put my phone number in the credits? Do you know what I mean? Underneath like best boy grip or something so that Mackie... he, he wants to he wants to reconnect. <laughs> he with, does, he wants to reconnect yeah. with his with his uh, his wife again. So uh Marty agrees and he also adds another psychopath to the script. The, uh, this is a former uh Viet Cong fighter who travels to the US dressed as a priest to reenact vengeance on the soldiers responsible uh for the um is uh, the Mylia massacre. massacre? Yeah. Um. So he has this kind of. It's all going on with Marty. It's he's finally cooking up the script. You know. Uh, meanwhile, Billy, whose job it is to kidnap dogs, uh, has decided to kidnap the wrong dog. Really. Um. This gorgeous uh, Shih Tzu called Bonnie, but this dog just so happens to belong to a notorious killer known as Charlie Costello. 
played by Woody Harrison. Uh, played by the least Italian, Italian mobster looking guy. Yeah, you <laughs> but he's brilliant. Oh, he's um, fantastic. He is not happy about this. Uh, so he sets his henchman kind of on the trail to find out who took the dog. And we see then that the guys uh, end up coming across Christopher Walken, who is given back another dog for the reward money. And they cop on, OK, it's this guy who's taken them. So they arrive at uh, their warehouse where Marty and Hans are after they, they've kind of picked up Bonnie and the guys arrive and they're threatening the, the, the two lads and then in comes the Jack of Diamonds killer and then of course uh, they end like in all movies of this nature in Hollywood there has to be a big massive shootout in the desert and that's just it and Billy insists on it <laughs> quite literally and metaphorically, I suppose, in the script as well. So they head off on this, let's call it a boys trip. It's a road trip. It's a road the trip, desert, yeah, yeah. Yeah, where they eat hallucin- hallucinogenic drugs <laughs> and they bare their souls. And uh, am I telling people what's happening with Billy? Um, I did say spoiler Oh, I mean, it's up to you, really. I would say... If you've not seen it, see no, it. Maybe, and maybe you... leave it at that. Maybe leave it yeah, at that. There is a bit yeah. of a twisty, turny stuff going on here. Yeah. And I'll be honest with you, I watched it when it came out and had kind of forgotten a lot of yeah. what happened in it. So yeah. it's 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 eminently rewatchable. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. This is watch it and rewatch it and rewatch it. You're going to get yeah. new stuff from this all of the time. And if you are rewatching, I have found a couple of little Easter eggs for you. Oh, yeah. Uh, so what well, we, we mentioned the Godfather and the Mo Green uh, thing. Apparently, Billy uh, and I remember this the second time watching it, uh, or the most recent watching. Billy is standing in front of a mirror, getting ready for the party, um, which is oh, uh, I know this Marty's one. Uh, girlfriend's party, and he has a conversation with himself in the mirror, and we learn his name is Billy Bickle. Bickle. Yeah. <laughs> I I actually right I I I know that the whole detail. It's like Travis Bickle in Taxi Driver. Oh, I thought it was just a little bit on the nose. It reminds me if I was, you know, 22 years old in film school after watching right, a Tarantino uh, movie yeah. going, oh, you know what would be cool? <laughs> do you know, I'll do that. It just seemed a little bit much for me. I do like... Oh, well, you're going to love you know. this one. All because, right. Because okay, uh, okay. Christopher Walken's character, as you know, is Hans. And in the shoot mm. scene in the graveyard, there's a grave with the name Gruber on it. <laughs> that one I that one I don't mind. That one okay. I, that one I'm, I'm okay with that one. <laughs> uh, also, there's another little one um, as well. I wouldn't have known this at all, but um, in the scene where Tom Waits and Colin Farrell are talking in the apartment when they initially meet him, uh, a flaming carrot poster can be seen in the background, right? So apparently, Tom Waits starred in the Mystery Men movie based on the characters yes. that debuted in Flaming Carrot comics. Yes, that's there correct. You go. There you go. So there's little Easter eggs there for you. Um, but there is, there's so many reasons to, to, to watch and watch and watch this movie. I really think it's just pushing against all of this kind of, um, you know, these traditional things that you associate with the writing of movies, particularly in this culmination of the ultimate grand finale of the shootout. I mean, it's just, yeah. and it just signposts this all the way along that, look, I'm doing this, but look, I've gone there with it. Oh, look, you know, mm. so there's a bit of that going on, but it's, I think it's, um, I mean, like who comes up with a psychopath that loves rabbits, that only kills serial killers, that Tom Waits is (laughs) like, I mean, it's just fantastic. 
It really is. Or a Quaker who stands outside the house of the man who kills his daughter and slits his own throat. I mean, it's just like, I mean, seriously, people, it's amazing. Well, like Mm. Martin McDonough, what a fucking genius of of storytelling. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, that's that's the Irish. That's the Irish in him. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I know he's, he's second generation, but we'll we'll still, ah, he's still we'll claim him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we'll claim. And I, I think he claims himself a little bit Irish. If you that's look true. at the amount of yeah. Irish themes and everything he's run through, everything. Um, I did stop the film at one stage as well oh, yeah. because you do see Marty, with Colin Farrell's character Marty, present his script Seven Psychopaths, and you can see his name on it. So I stopped it because I was full sure it was going to say Martin McDonough, oh, yeah. um, <laughs> but it doesn't. It has a different second name. Uh, that would yeah. probably a step too far, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but there, like, there has to be little like kind of comparisons. Although he, when he was, ta- I read a couple of interviews um, from the time of when the movie was released, and people, you know, ask all the usual kind of questions. Oh, do you ever suffer writer's block? And he was just like, well. No, no, not really. I never had that blank page kind of fear as such. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, it was more like I, I always have things tumbling out of me as such in terms of uh, of the work. It's just a matter of there's lazy uh, writing. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? And there's all this procrastination, he said, you, you know, but once you sit down to it and you see that actually in, in Colin Farrell's character, there's one scene where um the girlfriend played by Abby Cornish is a, uh, making a dinner and he's there with his you know big glass of wine and he's got like the notepad and he's like look look I'm writing Ooh, I'm writing down a few bits and she's just looking at him like you know as she's preparing the stuff and you're just going he is writing nothing you know? yeah <laughs> and he then he wakes up next like or no I don't think it's next morning but he wakes up with a a, a post-it with NB and all the notes that he yeah. wrote and yeah. it's like and he's hung over and he can't remember yeah. what happened anyway <laughs> Yeah. Um. You you saw it on DVD, I think. Yeah. And I I think I saw it on DVD as well. What about you, Ross? Um. I rented it. I think actually, or is it, yeah. is it on Netflix or or Disney or something like that? I can't remember, but I did. No, I but what happened? Like when when you saw it for the first time? Oh, initially, you know what? I think I went to see it in the cinema. Uh, but I really? can't remember exactly. I think so. Yeah, I think I went to see it in the well. cinema. Yeah, um, and um, I'm not sure why I didn't. Like, I don't think it would have been a big run. It would didn't have a huge no. big run, all right. Um, like it's funny because I think it's a real, uh, commentary on, especially watching it this like now, it's a real commentary on where movies were at that time. Mm. So, like for example, it's a response to quentin tarantino stuff now i love pulp fiction but this is pulp fiction but a little bit cleverer maybe i don't sorry quentin i wouldn't say (laughs) but it's definitely the way he kind of went cleverer he was almost afraid to say it like i just know tarantino is listening he's gonna shut your ass down that's what he's gonna do um well i guess what i mean is (laughs) it's it's more thoughtful would that be would that oh be come on no yeah. i don't think so i think it, tarantino has his place in the world okay oh and, no i'm not taking quentin's uh, place away and and martin has his place is could yeah. you say that they're right the hitman at the start that's a clever like little nod to it that's an, an homage it, yeah. yeah that's an outright homage i'm gonna say but the rest of it okay the interweaving and the kind of yeah i think both his writing and something like pulp fiction are enjoyable spectacles, but are about as deep as a puddle, really. Both oh, of them. Gosh. Do you know? 
I think they're very, they're very, and there's nothing wrong with it. I like movies like that, but it's a very surface level superficiality to both of them, really. It doesn't take away from them. They're still both really enjoyable to watch, but I wouldn't come back out of it having learned anything about the human experience or anything. I Do you not say. think that there's yeah. a little bit more depth to Martin McDonough's stuff than Quentin's stuff? Like, no. I mean, look, again, I'm, <laughs> no, looking, general, I'm literally yes. saying, I'm yeah. literally saying specifically Pulp Fiction uh, or or uh, even, well, not so much Res- Reservoir Dogs, but you know what I mean? Just mm. looking at those two. The and then there was a whole, <laughs> I'm also, I think, uh, conflating all of the movies that came out after Pulp Fiction that mm. riffed on that. Oh, yeah. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Like Lockstock and mm. Smoking Barrels and Go, mm. yeah. which, uh, you know, are films that I really enjoy, but... Uh, I think this is a commentary on those movies. And I think it is. We've had um, too much of them. Well, not even that we've had too much, but it's like that, you know, that we can, like there, there is depth in there, I suppose, you know, maybe, or we can get some depth. I could imagine him writing this, just going, oh, this is cool. This is cool. Would a car chase be too much? No, a car chase is probably too much. How about some cool dialogue instead? Do you know, like the whole... As in Martin like, McDonough or Tarantino? Martin McDonough even, yeah. And I don't think he would have released this movie in his filmography now. Do you know what I mean? And Interesting. I, I, okay. Yeah, I don't think... Because mm-hmm. I, I don't... Like, this stands out like a sore tongue. So what, what you're saying is, like, he's developed. He's de- which I would agree. He certainly has. He's developed, but, yeah. This also came at on the back of In Bruges, and I think what happened there was In Bruges is a great movie, and it got rightfully a lot of critical acclaim. Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, I know we did a short film, Six Shooter, before that, but it was his first mm. feature-length mm. movie, and I got a general, uh, like a wide release, and people were really, really praising him. Praising him. I think it went maybe a little bit to his head or something like that, and I think <laughs> he went. He really oh, like a, a big ensemble cast. I know he does that in his next movie a little bit as well. But he got a big bloated cast, and he got this big, uh, big story, and tried to make it. I don't know. I, I just think nearly it, the fact that it didn't do as well as in Bruges maybe helped him be a better filmmaker. In, well, in, now I, I think that was evident. That I, I, I was doing a bit of research right about this, and people have referred to Six Shooter as. Um, Ken Are Loach. Like Ken, yeah, but yeah, but Ken Loach meets Quentin Tarantino. Okay. Mm. And they've referred to in Bruges as uh, uh, Quentin Tarantino meets Father Ted, and then this <laughs> is, I think, and I think rightly so. Like people would say, this is Quentin Tarantino meets Martin McDonough a little bit. You know what I mean? Okay. So um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and you know, I, I wonder, that's something I didn't actually look up. I wonder what um, Martin McDonough makes of Tarantino. Like, is he a fan? Is he clearly a fan, do you reckon? Or, like, does he like I, those comparisons? Or is it just one of those things? You see, I think Martin McDonough is a lover of all kind of, of, of a lot of different movies. And you mm. do see a couple of different things that, that kind of peek in and out of, of of his work like in terms of well if you look like if you look at say even like the plays he's done mm. there's always a darkness there's a yeah. violence in there and that's you that's where you i guess you get the the comparison with tarantino Martino. maybe as well mm. um now this i would say is like this is martin like like i say this is his most direct kind of i'm doing a tarantino movie but i'm going to do it in my way yeah. If that makes sense. Um, yeah. So, yeah. 
Yeah, because even at the end, even um, there's some line, I don't know the exact line, but um, Colin Farrell's character, when he comes back from the Odyssey and the shootout and everything that happens in the desert, he references, it's like a, it's not the exact line, but it's almost similar line to what John Wayne says in The Searchers as well. Uh, so there's another little Easter egg for you when you're when you, right. like, returning home mm-hmm. after kind of a big, you know, uh, journey or adventure yeah, or something yeah. along those lines. So you know, and I you've think changed. You, you've and changed. you've changed. That's yeah. exactly it. Um, yeah. So that's really interesting. I think, but like you say, it's it's a it's a weird one in his um, CV. All right, the Seven Psychopaths. But I don't mm. think like we should dismiss it. I think it's like no. um, you know, he's he's very much. Um, Honing his craft, isn't he? And he's having fun, I'm going to say. He's having fun here. Kind of like, do you, ever, do you ever see someone who had like like a really serious relationship and uh, it, make them, it made them grow as a person and then they went out with like a 22-year-old bikini model and then they went out with <laughs> and had two serious relationships after it. This is the 22-year-old bikini model okay. in between. Okay, well, I, mean? I mean, the only reference point I have is Leonardo DiCaprio. So <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Oh God! I love the way it's like history lessons of an intellectual level with uh, and then it's like you know the lovely kind of comparisons to comp- yeah. <laughs> By the way, it sounds as well that I'm complaining about this film. I'm not. I really enjoy it. I think it's a whole yeah. lot of fun. I really enjoy Sam Ro- Sam Rockwell in particular. Yes. In it. I, I think, think he's, he's great. Fantastic. He's he's always good in everything. Well, I, I say in everything. I think sometimes he's he's made a couple of films recently. One of them, whose name I can't remember, which is kind of like white guy comes in, he's a bit racist and then gets less racist because he meets a black woman. Oh. I can't remember what that's called. Oh, okay. I think that is the title of the movie. Yeah, yeah I think so. Yeah, um, like, you know, he's a good one to maybe uh, focus in on as well. Because yeah. Because, really, you know, Absolutely. people could say he could easily have gone down the route of being typecast, but even when he plays that annoying friend character, let's say, yeah. or mm. like the annoying kind of sidekick, it's always different and fresh and you're always kind of yeah. going, what's going on yeah. with this guy? He's always shifty, dodgy kind of mm. as well. Um, He's a kind of manic energy or something too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's brilliant. I, I think I've said it before. The first time I saw him was in Galaxy Quest which is oh, a Star Trek brilliant parody. brilliant in that. Yeah. And he's brilliant in that. Yeah. And then Charlie's Angels, the... Uh, Charlie's Theron, that one. The no, Bush, it's not her. No, it's no, the uh, original Cameron Diaz. Yeah, Cameron Diaz. Yeah yeah, 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 Drew Barrymore. Yeah, and there's one scene in that, and you can look it up on YouTube. I'm sure where he puts a record on, and he goes. I'm just gonna say the acting in that scene is just amazing from him as he's yeah. dancing to this record, and he goes from being. The guy you kind of think, oh, he's a nice guy. It's like, no, he's the bad guy. Oh. If you're going to knock it out of the park, you may as well do it in Charlie's Angels. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) But he seems like the kind of guy that would bring absolutely everything. Like, he won't just dial in a performance. No. He's going to bring everything to it. Um, And I think he's always, yeah, really exciting to watch. And he's really, like, he's great in three billboards. And, uh, like, you can see, like, him and Woody Harrelson went on then to... Be in and that film Cornish as, well. as well, actually. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And like, I'm not a huge fan of that movie either, but uh, it's I th- I think it's good and it's got great performances as well. Woody Harrelson, we haven't really talked about. 
Mm. Yes, Woody Harrelson. Um, again, like with this, you know, he play, he's playing this Charlie uh, Costello character, this ga- gangster character. And again, because Woody Harrelson, right, he's another one where you're kind of going, are you good? Are you bad? Oh, you're fucking psycho, actually. Oh, you're back being all right again. Like he kind of, he, he shows a lot dog. of emotion. You like your dog, yeah. Yeah, he really <laughs> likes this dog. Oh, another little fun fact, the dog's name actually was Bonnie as well. Yeah. Uh, handy. Um, but, uh, you know, he, he, but then he just, just does this like switch to to the violence real quick and mm. i don't know because he does have this kind of goofy looking baby faced kind of you know face a anyway. mustache as well which <laughs> yeah. you know is kind of threatening but also kind of ridiculous looking which yes. is just like his character yeah because you know he does have that borderline uh i'm gonna fall into a fucking uh, bag of cliches with regards to this character but it mm. again it just really really works um with him and you know when he goes on the merry chase with the guys and then uh, the shootout at the end oh listen woody's bringing all the woody harrelson magic and actually you know woody harrelson's performance in this and indeed in three billboards outside Ebbing, missouri Mm. both brilliant performances for him especially i would have said three billboards outside Ebbing, missouri but i think three billboards outside Ebbing, missouri is probably one of one of the better performances i've ever seen of woody harrelson i would think oh yeah yeah Yeah. it's definitely up there Definitely up there, yeah. but I did love him in True Detective as well. But oh, I know he's brilliant in that. It's yeah, crazy. I know. Matthew oh no, Connie you should. Kind of Fantastic! The... Like he, he steals it, but it's it's always difficult for when you've got a big. I'm not going to say McConaughey's doing a big performance, but mm. when you've got an actor doing something like that, yeah, how do you balance it? And it he does so a great well. job of balancing. He had the same it. problem yeah. in ITV as well with McConaughey. <laughs> That's true. Oh, yeah, was he in that with him? He was. They played brothers in it. Yeah, oh Woody really? Harrison I didn't. I, I watched. Uh, I watched yeah. um, the. What's the other one? The, it was the same. They came out. The oh, same year. Um, the, the Truman Show. Show. Yeah, the Truman Show. Yeah, well, the Truman Show. I think we all agree was a bit better. Yeah. now, to be fair, I think uh, so. A lot. Better. Plus, yeah. we're forgetting about another um, of the stars in this, who is very much one of those guys. And I'll have to forgive me. I can't pronounce his name. Is Zelchko Ivanek. Oh, who's uh, yeah, Jelsko Ivanek, I think. Yeah, no, you're right. No, he's fantastic. Who and is he in like, it again? He is, he's he the guy is who tells um, Christopher Walken to put his command. hands up. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yes, yes. He's one of the <clears throat> Costello's henchmen. Fantastic yeah. actor. Yeah. And he's been working for years. Mm. Yes, he's in and Bruges as well as the Canadian who gets hit. And yes. he's in. It's, he's one of the officers as well in Three Billboards Outside Ebbing. He did. It wouldn't make sense for him to make an appearance in The Cripple of Inish, Aaron, to be fair. No, no, it'd be hard to get him to an island off, off the west coast of Ireland. All right. And somebody you yes, might guess, but I don't think he could do the accent. Somebody you might guess. And since we're talking about that guys and this is a cast full of that guys uh, mm. Kevin Corrigan who's also oh, yes. in this and yeah, he's a, an amazing anytime I see him I kind of go oh this is, a, this is great this is going to yeah. be good and he yeah so he's the he's a, he's like not even the second command he's like no. down the rung yeah. but he's, <laughs> yeah, he's, great. he's very good although yeah. you could nearly see Chris Rock and sure wasn't he in um, Wild, uh, Wild Met in Time playing was. no the Irish. I don't I've never heard of that I think, film I, th- that th- film I think, I think he was I think you could see him now put him behind the bar well Pat you know him or he's friends with Pat Short say in, in the bar or something like that that would be and give perfect. him no lines just let him <laughs> just stand there, there. Yeah. yeah yeah just 
like make a face that'd be Troll's name yeah. Patsy or something Patsy <laughs> and the same again Patsy and he'll just nod and that'll be it and he'll <laughs> pour a pint yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like I think we all agree in terms of Martin McDonough I mean you know I'm really excited to see what he's going to do next and of course Colin Farrell I mean he has kind of had a little bit of a you know resurgence of you know he's 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 clawed back his acclaim rightfully I, so has he ever really been in trouble though is the thing ah, like he's bit. kind of gone like he's gone from like I'm an action hero and he's found his place now as a character actor right yes I think and there was one a thing bubby years around Alexander I think yeah, there was a couple to, of bubby yeah, that's true yeah, yeah. Of that off himself for <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, one thing I would say about this is I never believed him as a alcoholic. Really, like he's too good looking. Like you don't wake up. Oh no, well, he like, wasn't. He, didn't, Colin he have trouble, didn't he have trouble with booze as well? Yeah, Although he when did. he woke up, yeah, when he woke up, maybe over, during he this looks, as well. Yeah. He looks fantastic. Yeah. yeah, no, he, he looks, looks fantastic. Great. But when he 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 did a great job of waking up looking a bit hungover because he has this his eyes are darting around his hair right. is sticking up on one side he's yeah, kind he of he still it. he still looks better than I do with a hangover but I think he still looks hangover <laughs> uh, he doesn't look too like alcoholic Ross I just wonder I wonder for example like would and I don't know I don't think it would be but if you had somebody like say Brenda Gleeson in that mm. part like a, a kind of guy Ooh, yeah. older now you'd have to age up like maybe the Sam Rockwell character a little yeah. bit as well to kind of make it believable. Ooh, they'd be too close in age to Christopher. They'd be too close in age to Christopher Walken think, to make yeah, that, the, that that relationship wouldn't work quite as well. I could yeah. see Brendan Gleeson as Costello, maybe. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like I could maybe see him as Christopher Walken. Oh no. 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 Oh, you look. If you get if Christopher Walken says he'll do it, then you have you to get, get him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I wouldn't even put him as Tom Waits because Tom Waits is just, you know... Tom Waits is ideal for that. Ideal, If if you've never heard of this film and you give the character description where it's a guy goes around killing serial killers... Um, with a partner and he and he loves Rob like, well Tom Waits I'm, I'm sure he's casting the role right you know who else could do that you know he's perfect for it yeah. he's absolutely brilliant and it is it's one of those ones it's I think if you want a lesson in screenwriting 101 uh, definitely seek it out because it's no gonna... I think if you want a lesson in screenwriting 101 you are an alcoholic and you drink too much wine and you have a friend who is possibly a psychopath and he wants to make a film with you and then he puts an ad in the LA LA, LA Times mm. so yeah. yeah that's the way to do it that's the way to do it <laughs> uh, cool okay will we just wrap that one up then yep yeah cool so we hope you enjoyed another one of our spotlight episodes till next time film fans bye See you at the movies where there might be seven of my friends sitting behind you. And then we'll see if you make it out alive. Mm. One of us will be the seven psychopaths. (laughs) (laughs) Sit down and grab a glass. Sinead Ross and I'll have made a podcast. It's the real take breaking it down. Having fun and talking movies. You have been listening to The Real Take, presented by Sinead Brassel, Ross Leahy, and Niall O'Brien. Our music was provided by actor, artist, and musician Will Guppy, 
You can find him on Instagram at will.guppy. And you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Real Take Podcast. If you would like to contact us to tell us how fantastic we are, you can reach us at therealtakepodcast at gmail.com. See you at the movies.